my message this evening is entitled Enlarge. And I believe that the prophetic word for this season is this word, Enlarge. I've been involved with many uh, prayer movements over the last two years uh, in, in, on Zoom and different prophetic prayer watches. And this word keeps popping out again and again and again. Isaiah 54 and verses 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of thy habitations. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the left and to the right. This word keeps coming back again and again. And this is the season for enlargement. How many of you believe revival is coming? Amen. And if we believe revival is coming and do nothing to prepare for it, then we are just talking and uh, that's foolishness. And so it re preparation is really important part of what we're doing here in Cornerstone right now. My text uh, this evening is 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 29. And it's, it's a well-known scripture, and I, but I just want to read it to you and, and show you something that perhaps you've not seen before. And it says that God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and the largeness of heart like the sand of the seashore. Solomon was endowed with a wisdom and understanding the, world, the, the likes of which the world had never seen before. It was a staggering amount of wisdom that God placed on a single individual. And everyone knows of the wisdom of Solomon. Everyone knows of the amazing understanding that this man had. But we often miss the fact that God also gave Solomon a largeness of heart the size of an ocean. Because when you are called to carry that kind of wisdom, when you have access to that kind of understanding, and if you don't have the kind of heart to compensate for that download of wisdom, I tell you my friends, that wisdom is going to crush you. How many of you desire wisdom? How many of you desire understanding? Well, if you desire wisdom and understanding, which wisdom is the ability to know what to do when you don't know what to do. Amen. And if you desire wisdom and understanding, then ask God for the largeness of heart. Amen to compensate for this download that's coming. Now here's a disclaimer, that there is a price to pay for wisdom. There is a price to pay for knowledge. And with wisdom and knowledge, will come heartache and will come grief. It's in the text here in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 18. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he who increases in knowledge increases sorrow. The more you know, the more you see, the more you understand, the more pain it's going to cost you, and it just comes with the territory. The opposite of that is do nothing, be nothing, and say nothing. Come on. I've discovered that the strongest hearts are, are the ones that have had the most scars, and the one that has the most scars on his heart is, of course, our Lord Jesus. Amen. And, uh, and, and He wants to strengthen our hearts as well. You know, people who work with problem cases, counsellors, psychiatrists, psychologists, they understand this very much better. They, they have to be constantly analysed themselves to see that they're not crushed under the, or buried under the mountain of burden that they're not designed to carry, man. What is largeness of heart? What is this, this thing that we are praying about today? It's the heart that has been expanded by God to carry His wisdom and His compassion and understanding. It's a heart that's been so stretched, so strengthened, that it's able to bear the burdens of others without succumbing to the weight that is put on it. And it's a small, no small thing, my friends, to take a small, constricted, small-minded, self-centered, self-absorbed Christian and turn him into a world-class Christian. Hallelujah. And only God can do that. Only God can do that. So this whole process of enlargement is a vital one, but it's not a pleasant process. The Hebrew word for uh, enlarge or largeness is the word rokab, where we get the word where it simply means wide 
or large or broad. It's a word that's used to describe the entryway into the Temple of Solomon in the sense that it was wide enough to accommodate everyone who wanted to come in. It was also a word that was used to describe the ark that Noah built in the sense that it conveys the idea it was wide and broad enough to accommodate every animal that was sent to it. So here's the premise. The larger your heart, the greater the burdens you're able to carry and the more people he's able to entrust to you. That's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. And so whenever we pray, remember the, 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 the punchline is the word enlarge. That's the prophetic word for the moment. And whenever you pray, say, God, enlarge me. God, enlarge me. The first thing that God has to do to answer that prayer is to give you a big heart. It's to stretch your heart. It's to enlarge your heart. And how many of us have prayed, Lord, enlarge my territory. And then you go into a, a spiral of problems and issues and betrayal and all kinds of problems. And you say, God, I asked you to enlarge my, my territory. And the way that God does that, He's enlarging your heart. Am I making sense to you? If God doesn't, if, if you are asking God to increase you, if you are asking God to enlarge you, I'm telling you this, my friends, the first thing He has to do is He has to give you a big heart or else you cannot cope with the, with the, with the burden that's going to be placed on you. So the million dollar question is, how does one develop largeness of heart? Well, you know, God has a variety of means to enlarge our hearts. I've discovered three in Scripture. There could be more, but these are the three that I've seen. Number one, endurance. Number two, trouble. And number three, heritage. And I want to just uh, deal with each of these three. Let's look at the first one, endurance. You know, if you would ask me what are the three most important virtues to have in these last days, here are the three. Love, faith, and endurance. The reason for that is all these three things are going to be attacked very strongly. Jesus said that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. So we understand that our love is going to be assaulted, it's going to be challenged, it's going to be attacked. That's why you need to kylo, keep your love on, amen. Then he also said that when he returns, he said, will I find faith on the earth? So we understand that our faith is going to be challenged and it's going to be assaulted. But the third thing that we need is endurance because Jesus said, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. I tell you this, is as much part endurance is, is vital to our salvation, to our salvation. Uh, I want to talk about a horse right now. The most famous racehorse in American history was a horse called Secretariat. Got a picture coming up. And Secretariat was a large chestnut uh, thoroughbred that became the uh, U.S. Triple Crown Champion in 1973 in setting new records in two out of the three uh, races in the series, the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont Stakes. The other event, of course, is the Preakness Stakes. And there was a movie that was made in 2010 about this amazing horse and produced by Walt Disney. And in the final scene, Secretariat is running in the race and everyone thought that he was going to lose. So, uh, the horse, of course, was very fast and that's how he won the first two races that needed speed. But the third race was very different because the third race was a long race. It was 1.5 miles in distance. And all the experts were, were, were saying this horse is never going to win uh, the race because you are, the horses have limitations. And this is the limitation. A horse is either fast or it's got endurance, but it doesn't have both. It's either fast or it's got endurance, but it doesn't have both, right? And so in this riveting scene, the horse... Uh, that was favored to win was side by side with Secretariat and the horse and the riders were pushing them to the max and then all of a sudden, 
The owner in the stand gets up and shouts, let him run, let him run. And the rider begins to push Secretariat even faster and faster. And the horse started surging forward and it ended up 31 lengths ahead of the second horse. You need strong legs to run fast, but you need a strong heart to finish the distance. Come on. Amen. You know, I'm generally fast. My wife complains I eat too fast. I walk too fast, drive too fast, talk too fast. She's always telling me, you slow down, slow down, slow down. But that's, I guess just, that's how I'm wired. But I don't just want to be fast. Like, I want to be strong. I want to finish the race with endurance. Amen. And I know that everyone in this room wants to finish strong. I tell you this, we all need endurance. Amen. The interesting thing was when Secretariat died, they did an autopsy on the horse and they discovered it had an abnormally large heart. The heart of the, that horse was 22 pounds. The average horse had a heart of 8.5 pounds. Man, that's almost three times the size of the average horse. And the, the, it, this was what we call the X factor. And this whole idea of the X factor was coined for this horse, literally, right? Um, and uh, this large heart was the reason it was able to run fast and yet endure all those long distances. And you know, Jesus said the same thing concerning the last days. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. I'll tell you this, my friends. Endurance is vital for our salvation. Amen. And how does one develop a strong heart? How does one develop endurance? By conditioning. By conditioning. Those of us in the army will understand this, right? They don't make you run five kilometers on the first day of your basic training, right? You do that in the last week after months of uh, weeks of conditioning. So it takes time for stamina to be developed. And James tells us in uh, chapter 1 and verse 4, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, lacking nothing. That word patience is the word uh, translated endurance, hupunome. And what James is saying is that we must allow endurance to work out the grace in us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, there's a difference between endurance and perseverance, right? Endurance is the ability to stand in the midst of opposition and perseverance is the ability to progress in spite of the opposition. Endurance is the ability to carry the burden without buckling, right? And, but perseverance is to continue in a course of action in spite of that resistance. One is defensive, one is offensive. The bottom line is if you're not being prepared right now, you are not going to build the stamina that's going to take you through in the last days, my friends. So you got to start preparing now. Whatever God is doing for you now, whatever God is doing in you now, preparing you, allowing you to go through the trials, allowing to go, allowing you to go through all the difficult times and the difficulties, is strengthening your heart so that you can bear the burdens as you come through the last days. Amen. Now don't presume for one moment you can just stroll into the last days and sing Kumbaya and expect Jesus to pull you up in the rapture. That's not going to happen. We've got to start allowing the Holy Ghost now, now, now to prepare us, enlarge our hearts, enlarge our hearts. And everything I'm going through right now in this season is God is stretching my heart, stretching my heart. You know, the COVID is not a lockdown. It's a lock-in with Him. Hallelujah. He's allowing us to be, be locked in so that something can be done in our hearts. Let me just give you a, paint, you a little scenario of the last days. I don't want to belabor the point, but Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25 tells us that the devil, the enemy seeks to wear down the saints of the Most High. Right now, at the end of this time, there'll be such pressure put on believers. They are literally going to be worn out. And it's not just physical or financial or emotional. It's demonic. It's demonic. 
And Satan is going to unleash the very powers of hell against the church. And it's going to be everywhere, my friends. You know, 10 years ago, who talked about mental health conferences? Now it's everywhere. Everybody's talking about mental health. Every conference is, you know, about some, some problem that we have. And 10 years ago, we were somehow able to cope with the pressure. But right now, people are buckling under the pressure. It's getting more and more intense. And Christians are finding the going tougher. And this is only going to intensify as we come to the last days. And what is true for horses is also true in the spiritual. If we are going to endure to the end, we need to have strong hearts. Hallelujah. Strong hearts. Amen. Hearts that have been enlarged. To, and for that to happen, we've got to allow, my friends, we've got to allow God to do a work of grace in our hearts. To stretch our hearts. And the only way for us to do that, uh, the, well, the first way for us to do that is to allow us to go to this training, this uh, conditioning, hallelujah, to develop an endurance in our hearts. The opposite of that is a constricted heart. And people with constricted hearts are incapable of serving God effectively. They're stingy, they're critical, they're indifferent, they're small-minded, they're argumentative, they're apathetic. But an enlarged heart is different. Amen. The second way that God enlarges our heart is through trouble. In Psalms 25 and verse 17, David cries out, The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Man, if there was a man who had lagas, lagas, which is generosity, or largeness of heart, it was King David, man. And where did David get it from? From all the trials he went through, man. All the difficulties he went through in the wilderness with Saul, all kinds of problems he had to go through. And David learned that the way that God gives you largeness of heart is he allows us to go through the, the crisis situations to stretch us because naturally our hearts will resist the stretching process, we don't like to be stretched. We want to stay in our comfort zones. And it usually takes something sometimes so traumatic some, or, or, the, or the extreme joy or an encounter with God for a permanent work of grace to be done in our hearts. I'll give you an example of this. 1 Samuel chapter 23 is a chapter that has confused me. David is hiding as a fugitive from Saul who's out to kill him. And while he's dodging Saul, he's protecting Israel. And he hears that the Philistines were invading a town called Keilah. David's protective instincts are aroused and he inquires of the Lord and he says, Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines and of course defend Keilah? The Lord says, go and attack them and, and save the inhabitants of Keilah. Now the only problem was Keilah was in Saul's territory and it was Saul who should have been protecting them. Now, of course, Saul was in dereliction of duty. So David prepares his men for this incursion. And his men said, David, are you crazy? Saul is hunting us down. We've got 600 soldiers. He's got 300 crack soldiers, the 3,000 crack soldiers, the best of Israel. And he's hunting you down day and night. And we are hiding here in the cave. And you want us to go back in Saul's territory. He says, are you out of your mind? These are his most trusted followers. So David thinks to himself, all right, better check with the Lord one more time. Just in just case, right? <laughs> so he inquires of the Lord a second time and the Lord says, arise and go down to Keilah and I will deliver the Philistines in your hands. My friends, there are times when a leader has to do what he knows is right, even when his most trusted followers says, bad idea. There are times when the, your most, and, the, and there are also times when the most trusted followers 
must be willing to follow regardless. There is a post on Facebook that I saw recently. It says, conformity is doing what everybody else is doing, regardless of what is right and wrong. Morality is doing what is right, regardless of what everybody else is doing. Come on. Just because everybody's moving in the one direction doesn't make it right. If it's wrong, it's wrong, and we must have the moral fiber to stand against it. A lie doesn't become truth. Wrong doesn't become right. Evil doesn't become good just because everybody accepts it. Amen? I think it's very difficult. For, I think it was a very difficult situation for David, right? It must have been terrible. Trying to preserve the lives of your people, 600 soldiers. And then he makes a decision that compromises their security by going into Saul's territory. I don't know if you've ever been put in a situation like that as a leader. It's terrible. Let's just say God calls you in a full-time ministry. You're a father. You have three children. And there's no, provision, there's no guarantee of a salary and no guarantee of provision. And you've got three kids to raise and, and feed. And you've got a wife. And the future looks uncertain. And you don't, know, and you don't want to be irresponsible. And then the Lord of the Lord comes and He says, Quit. I want you to go into full-time ministry. What would you do in a circumstance like that? You know, a lot of people back off. A lot of people say, well, you know, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I have responsibilities. I can't. And this is exactly what taking up the cross is. The willingness to go all the way with Jesus. The willingness in spite of the circumstances, Lord, I am willing to trust you. I'm willing to take this bungee step of faith and trust you. David knew what the Lord had said. And he manages to persuade finally and convince the men and leads a small army to Kela and defeats the Philistines decisively saves the inhabitants of Keilah, Saul hears of it, gathers his army, and he prepares to go to Keilah so that he can trap David in the city. David hears about it, and again he asks the Lord for counsel. He said, Lord, is, I heard Saul is coming. Is he really coming? The Lord says, yes, he's coming. The second question, will the men of Keilah betray me to Saul? The Lord says, yep, they will betray you to Saul. I can only guess the, 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 the pain of betrayal in David's heart at that precise moment. I mean, and David departs from the town and escapes from the hand of Saul yet once again. Now, listen, I have read this story so many times just so that I can get into the pathos of what David was feeling at that moment. The Lord says, deliver the inhabitants of Keilah. He risked his life and the lives of his soldiers to go down and deliver them. After he did, and God doesn't say anything else. After he delivers them, the Lord says, oh, by the way, they're going to betray you. Welcome to Enlargement 101. Hallelujah. There are leaders who say, I don't mind, I don't, I don't mind being a leader, Pastor, but I just don't want to get betrayed. They're going to sell ice cream, man. My advice to you. If you want to follow Jesus, truly follow Jesus, then be prepared to be betrayed again and again and again and again and again and again. And it's just part of the territory. Jesus was betrayed, forsaken, denied, denounced, rejected by the very ones He came to save. He died for us knowing we would betray Him, deny Him, but that didn't stop Him from enduring the pain and giving His life for us. He washed the feet of a man who was hours later going to kick Him in the face and betray Him for 30 pieces of silver. He washed the man's feet. I mean, why would you want to help someone when you know they're eventually going to stab you in the back? Many years ago, uh, we bankrolled Cornerstone, bankrolled a, a pastor. I won't mention who and I won't mention where. We bankrolled a pastor and his family for 10 years. Supported him, rented a home for him, and helped him with medical expenses and gave him a salary. 
10 years. After 10 years, his church was only 30 people. So I wrote to him and I says, you have to be accountable for the support that we have given to you and uh, the reason why the church has not grown. And he wrote back to me and he says, Pastor, the only reason my church has not grown is because I'm connected with a man like you. I could feel the knife just going into my heart. After, after all we did for him, is this is how he responds to us? Was I hurt? What do you think? Of course. It's like a son to me. Have I forgot, forgiven him? Wish I didn't have to. But we don't have that luxury, my friends. We're called to forgive, period. There are people today that I know are still bad-mouthing me up to this day who if we did not help them, if Cornerstone did not help them or supported them or assisted them, they wouldn't be where they are today and they're still bad-mouthing us and they're still bad-stabbing us. And I tell you this, if I knew it in advance, I would not have helped them, right? Why would he help somebody who's going to backstab you? Why would you help somebody who's going to betray you? So the Lord doesn't tell you, he doesn't tell you in advance that they would betray you or else you won't live a finger to, to help them. Yes? Why? Because He is good. He is good to the just and the unjust. He's kind to the thankful and the unthankful. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there, Jesus said. It takes a man with a large heart to be able to look at the ones who betrayed you, the ones who hate you, and to, to love them and forgive them and bless them and pray for them. And this is what God is wanting to do because He wants companions for eternity. That's worthy of His Son. The Lord goes through all this pain and all this to prepare us for eternity so that we can be worthy companions of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Welcome to the fellowship of his suffering. You know, in the army, soldiers go through the horrors of war and they see and experience things that normal people should not see or should not experience. World War II and all these terrible wars and many of them, after they survive and return home, there is a wonderful bond, a comradeship that goes very deep among these survivors and the reason for that, they have the same shared experiences. They all went through the horrors of a war. And they know what it was like to suffer. They, be, they become like a band of brothers. Paul, calls it, Paul has a term for that. He calls it the fellowship of his suffering. The only way for us to really know Jesus is to go through the sufferings he went through. That's the only way for us to know him. Oh God, I want to know you. That sounds so innocuous. Lord, I want to, I want to draw near to you. You sure? Because if you really want to know him, this is how he's going, to, he's going to expose you to a lot of problems, a lot of arrows, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of betrayals. And he's going to say, if you want to know me, this is what I'm going to bring you through. Then that's how you know me. I'm going to pull you into the fellowship of suffering, of my suffering. Lord, I want to enlarge, enlarge my business, enlarge my territory. God says, all right, I'm going to answer that prayer. And then all of a sudden, your, your life tail spins, all kinds of problems and all kinds of... He's answering your prayer. You asked for it. You said, Lord, enlarge my territory. I prayed that prayer every day, the prayer of Jabez. Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, that your hand will be upon me, that I will not cause pain and that you keep evil from me. I pray this prayer every single day and I know exactly what I'm asking God for. I'm asking God to allow him to do something in my heart, to stretch my heart. Look, my friends, 30 years ago when I started pastoring, I couldn't carry the burdens that I'm carrying today. 
It's taken God 30 years to stretch and do something in my heart. And I still have a heart that needs further stretching and further maturing. We all go through that process, man. So, pastor, what do I do? Quit complaining. Pastor, you don't know my wife. She's my cross. No, she's not your cross. Quit complaining. Start growing up. And start saying, God, change me. Do something. A friend of mine uh, in an, a, another country, which I can't mention, um, told me the, the most, one of the most significant stories I've ever heard. A fundamentalist of another religion killed one of her pastors who was like a son to her, to her. And she was deeply grieved and she was angry at the same time. So she went into a prayer closet. She stood up and she said, God, I want justice. I want justice. This man took my son, spiritual son. He killed, he killed, he murdered my son. I want justice. Several, and the Lord spoke to her one evening and the Lord says, what do you think my justice looks like? And she said, the man should die for what he did. An eye for an eye. Well, the Lord says, I'm going to show you what my justice is like in a few weeks. Well, in the service in a few weeks later, uh, during the worship, there was a young man who was a visitor who was deeply moved by the, the worship and then by the preaching, very genuinely just, uh, moved by it, convicted. And during the altar call, came up and he said, I want to give my life to Jesus. The workers there told this lady who is in charge of the ministry, that's the son of the man who killed one of our pastors, your, your spiritual son. And the Lord says to her, this is my justice. He took one of your sons, so I'm taking one of his. We've got to start seeing things differently, man. I tell you, God spends a lifetime sanctifying, enlarging, and preparing us for the kind of companions He wants. God is doing something deep in David's life. Firstly, would David obey in spite of the resistance from his most trusted friends? That's the most difficult thing for leadership. When I know God's spoken and my best, all my pastors is Pastor Young, you sure this is the... And I, it's, I know this is the... I know this is not the most popular decision. I know this is from God. To convince them that this is what the Lord is saying. And I thank God that we have a great, great bunch of pastors who have never let me down. I've always said, Pastor Young... If you go for it, we're 100% behind you all the time. I thank God for the pastors in Cornerstone. And then would David be bitter after being betrayed? Would he, would he trust the Lord to vindicate him? You know, the Lord is allowing, was allowing David to experience the same pain of betrayal that he himself was going to go through. And all that is part of a deeper fellowship. There's always a reason for these things, you understand? Pain is part of the human experience. In life, we will all suffer pain. The only people that don't have pain are people in graveyards, all right? So some people come into your life as blessings. Others come into your life as lessons. Mother Teresa said that. Or you want to put it another way. Some people come into your life for a season. Other people come into your life for a reason. Justin Bieber said that. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, not bad. It's one of his songs. I have to be hip and cool. You know, I have to listen to some of the songs my kids are listening to. Yeah? Justin Bieber. 
The third thing is heritage, right? The interesting thing is that the, the secretary had an enlarged heart was because he came from a lineage of horses that had large hearts. And I sense that Solomon had a large heart in a, because in a way he inherited from his dad, right? He saw the way his dad, uh, David, um, the way he behaved, the way he treated his enemies. And, you know, the way he treated his enemies. The, man, the way a man treats his enemies is the way you've, you see the, the, the quality of the man. He was a pedigree man, hallelujah. What are the other options is to die with a tiny constricted heart that's worth very little to God. Have you felt in the last 12 months that your troubles have multiplied? Welcome to Enlargement 101, hallelujah. We should have a TNE class like this. Welcome to Enlargement 101. And we'll tell you about all the troubles in life that you're going to go through, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many of you love Jesus? Amen. And... Let me just take this to a landing to say that only God can give you an enlarged heart. He's the divine, heavenly surgeon. Amen. And there are scriptures where Paul talks about his large being enlarged. It's 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 6. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our hearts are wide open. The word is enlarged. Our hearts are enlarged. And then he says to them, in return, for the same, you also be enlarged. Hallelujah. That was the appeal of the Apostle Paul. Be enlarged. Let God enlarge you. God wants to expand you beyond the limits of your own personal interest and your own sphere of influence. And one of the ways that He allows you to do that is through uh, trouble and of course through the, the things that I mentioned. And uh, we all also need a fresh revelation uh, of the love of God. You know, Paul says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Amen? Love is more important than knowledge, right? When God measures a person, He doesn't use a measuring stick and measures how big your head is. He measures how big your heart is. Come on. Amen. Have you learned to love? Because love is the ingredient that gives you legas, the largeness, the generosity of the heart. Amen. I'll close with this um, verse in Jeremiah. In... Uh, in chapter 12, uh, verse 5. And this verse has come to me many times. So I, I, like, I, I call this running with the horses. Right? And verse 5 in the first part of the verse, it says, if you run with footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? This is Jeremiah. Jeremiah um, has, is going through a very difficult time and he's, the prophet is tempted to complain about what's happening in his life. And the Lord says, before you complain, let me just say this. If you can't run with the footmen, how in the world are you ever going to run when the horses come? If you can't handle what's happening right now, what's going to happen when the horses come, when the pressure is going to be intensified many times over? And again, I just want to say, 10 years ago, we were somehow able to manage the, the pressure and the, 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 the weight. Now it's getting so much more difficult. Can you imagine what it's going to be like 10 years from now? how much more difficult it's going to be, how much more intense it's going to be. So if we cannot even run with footmen, how are we going to run with the horses? And so the Lord would speak to me many times. Every, every time I'm tempted to complain, He says, no, watch this. If you can't run with footmen now, how are you going to run with the horses? How are you going to run with the horses? So my friends, I, I've been praying, God enlarge my territory and God has been doing that. But one of the ways that He does that he does it by enlarging our hearts. It's going to go through that painful process of trouble, of trials. Uh, he gives us endurance. And also, we have a wonderful heritage here in the church. I want you to stand up. I want to close in prayer. 
listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.